this is Lissa and Jerry Lee. Welcome to Experience Eden, This Side of Heaven. We hope this conversation will speak to your heart and inspire joy. Welcome back to Experience Eden on This Side of Heaven. Today, we want to talk about focusing on what God says, not on the things that we see. I mean, we always tend to get caught up in all the hustle and bustle and things going around us, but we really think that it's important to focus on what God says in His Word, especially in, you know, those chaotic times in our lives. Um, I want to read two verses to start us off. The first one is Psalm 139, 13 through 14. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And the second one, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. It's so important that we know these words. Mm -hmm. Um, It's hard to really wholeheartedly trust something if you don't know it. Exactly. And when I say to know God, um, there isn't an implication there that we understand everything that he does and says and why he does and says the things that he does. Um, We're not expected to understand God on a God level. Mm. We're just supposed to trust God on his level to be where he's at, to do what he says he's going to do. Uh, sometimes, you know, people who are naysayers, maybe non-believers, they say, well, how can you believe something you don't completely understand? Well, mm-hmm. that is faith. Yep. Uh, I don't want to serve a God that I completely understand because then that means he's not God, meaning he's not above me in his capacity to understand, to comprehend. Uh, and so I really enjoy and I think it's healthy for me to serve and trust and have faith in a God that I don't completely understand because that makes him God. That mm-hmm. makes him above me, out of reach of me in terms of the cognitive understanding. Uh, and I'm okay with that. That's mm-hmm. the kind of God that I want to serve. One who knows more than I do. Right. right? <laughs> <laughs> we're just, we're so hung up on um, how much we know and our own abilities. And and faith and trust is where we allow our ability to end and trust on a higher power, which is our God. Um, so I'm completely at peace with understanding and recognizing, like, I'm not going to get God's plan all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to comprehend it. And I'm at peace with that now. Yeah, exactly. That comes with experience <laughs> and being able to relinquish that control. But it, to me, it's, it's actually liberating and freeing mm. to go, I don't understand you, God, but I trust you. Just mm-hmm. do it, you know, and to not have to feel that, that stress and that power, um, struggle of being in control of everything all the time. Um, so all that to say, it's essential that we know and we understand God's word in the context of scripture, that we read the scripture, scripture and that um, we are well versed in it so that we know how to refer to it in times of chaos. Um, and then the thing is, our understanding of what's going on around us and our field of view is painfully narrow. Mm-hmm. So especially in chaos, I mean, you've, you've heard people, even like in a triage situation or a first responder situation, how people can get it like a tunnel vision. Okay. You see the emergency at hand and that's all you can focus on. Yep. Um, and so our, our field of view when it comes to, um, chaos or conflict or difficult adversity, uh, is that our field of view is very narrow. Mm-hmm. And then our understanding of how God is at work in those situations is even more narrow. 
and can be even more frustrating. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's oftentimes why people will turn their back on God because they just don't get it, you know, and they don't understand what he's doing or when he seems absent. Well, God, why aren't you helping me? Why aren't you rescuing me? So it's easy to turn your back on a God that you think is not for you. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's important that you learn his word so that you know that he is for you. And the verses that you just read, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, plans for you to prosper. Um, and it's important to recognize that when God is at work in our lives, it's not always comfortable. Mm. And so for me personally, a lot of what I've been through has been, um, character building, but that's when I'm least comfortable. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. We learn the most, you know, in moments of crisis and distress and chaos, it's natural to be in my human flesh to get hyper-focused on the bad, Mm -hmm. the panic. The fear, yep. the worry, the what if, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Uh, and that's natural. Mm-hmm. So in order to combat that, in order to not become hyper-focused on the negative and the stress and the anxiety and the worry and the panic, uh, we have to be intentional about, okay, so how do we counter that? How do I not panic? How do I not get hyper-focused on the negative? How do I not stress? And because they're not the natural response, it takes intention. Absolutely. And that's why it's so important, like you said, to know his words and to know his words about us and who he created us to be. Mm -hmm. And especially when we go through hardships, like you said, it's like it feels so crushing at that time. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, it's for our good. Mm -hmm. You know, it's character building. It's there's God's always doing a work in us, yeah. whether we think it's good or not. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And you know what? He does his best work when we don't feel comfortable Yeah. or when we feel like maybe the situation isn't good, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, so I wanted to really focus in this session about what the Bible says. Uh, you know, a lot of our podcasts, they are, are scripture focused, mm-hmm. um, Bible centered, but also there is a lot of commentary and this is designed to be a conversation, um, mm-hmm. how we want to talk about our Christianity, about our God and our beliefs. Um, so this session, because of the title, because of the purpose of uh, focusing on what God says, not what we see, I wanted it to be more scripture heavy Absolutely. than our usual discussions. Uh, so a couple more examples where we really um, considered this to be important for this particular topic. Uh, we went to Philippians 4.13. Mm-hmm. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I love that one. Honestly, I have to interrupt because I Please. say that one <laughs> yes. to myself all the time. When I'm like working out or like doing like heavy stuff because I like to push myself or like if I'm hiking really hard, like I'll say this in my head over and over again. I can do all things with Christ, like especially when I feel like I'm like done. I'm like at my point of breaking and I'm like, I can do all things with Christ. I can do all things. I like push myself to do it. (laughs) I love love that you made that analogy. That's perfect because, you know, there are a lot of us who enjoy working out. We like, Mm -hmm. you know, you're in for the burn. You're like that feeling. Yeah. Majority of us don't enjoy that present right here i don't enjoy that feeling i enjoy the result just like i enjoy the result of god's character building i just don't necessarily enjoy the process yeah yeah being completely honest um so i'm glad that you made that analogy because our faith and our trusting god is a lot like working out and building muscle but it's spiritual muscle yeah uh, the trust muscle the faith Mm -hmm. muscle so i'm glad you made that analogy Uh, it's like so much as being a human like yeah I want potato chips, not kale. I I want the result of a workout, but I never want to go to the gym. (laughs) Exactly. But that's that's so much of my human nature is that I know what's good for me. Yes. I want the result of what's good for me. I just don't enjoy the process. Mm -hmm. And that comes with um, 
to, to learn to love that is really an exercise in maturity and an exercise in truly understanding what's good for me and doing it despite the fact that I don't want to, right? And I think that's super valuable. Um, the other one, so we did Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But there's also a, kind of like a converse one is uh, John 15.5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Mm. And so some people will argue, well, I can do nothing. No, 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 that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is really important as a Christian to make this distinction and understand what I'm about to say. Through Christ, we can do anything. That's really important to know. And mm -hmm. not just work out. You can get that job. You can get that career. You can beat that addiction. You can restore that wayward child. If you mm -hmm. rely on God, you can do anything because he's the one that gives you strength. Amen. But apart from Christ, we can do nothing. And that's the difference. So with Christ, nothing's impossible. Mm -hmm. Without Christ, nothing is possible. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's so important to make that distinction because if you remain in him, and then he will remain in you, then there's nothing off the table for you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But you can't just do everything because you say you believe in God. Mm -hmm. You can't just do everything because you admit there is a God. You have to be in relationship with him. You have to seek him and allow yourself to be filled with him and the Holy Spirit. So there is a relationship there. Mm -hmm. It's not just a, just not just a statement, not just you know a, a proclamation of I believe in Jesus. It's you have to abide in mm -hmm. Jesus and he will abide in you. And that signifies relationship. And that takes time. Mm -hmm. That takes intentionality. It takes effort. Like we discussed in a recent podcast, faith is action. Faith is a verb. Mm -hmm. And it's required that you take action to abide in Jesus and he in you. And so that's the really important part is that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you if you're abiding in him and he in you. Absolutely. Um, so I really wanted to make sure that we said that. Um, the other thing, another great point of learning to focus on what God says is that when we see things unfolding in front of us, we see the situation. Mm -hmm. We don't see God's view of it. We don't see external forces because everything we encounter, there's a God factor and there's also an enemy factor. Yep. So God is at work in all things always, but Satan doesn't take a day off either. Mm -hmm. So he is definitely at work in places. So we are very much, and Ephesians lays it out so well, talks about uh, spiritual warfare and how there really is a battle for our soul. Mm -hmm. And there really is a battle between righteousness and wrongness, between light and dark. Uh, and it's important that we don't uh, ignore that or pretend that that isn't a real factor in our lives. And so, Adversity is inevitable. Mm -hmm. And the Bible very clearly says if you're a follower of Christ, you will face persecution and challenges and adversary. It's going to happen. Um, but it's important to not succumb to a lot of the feelings. And so we talked about this and Lisa came up with some really good examples of the type of feelings, the emotions that you can call them negative yeah. or adversarial or challenging, label them however you want. Mm -hmm. But um, some of the examples we came up with were fear, jealousy, anxiety, loss of control, stress, confusion, worry, um, fear over illness, uh, insult, or um, when you feel like you've been um, offended, uh, loneliness, resentment, etc. 
Yep. <laughs> icky feelings. I've yeah. always called them icky feelings. Yeah, definitely. Those are the tactics of the enemy to use mm -hmm. on us. He wants to instill us with all these things mm -hmm. because the more we're entrapped in all these negative emotions, you know, the less we'll be connected to God in exactly. that relationship that we're supposed to have with him. Amen. So if he can just keep that little wedge of fear in you, that little, you know, stress and anxiety, that jealousy, he's pulling you away mm -hmm. from God. Amen. And here's the thing that the enemy is constantly at work, just like God is constantly at work. And, and sometimes because we, um, it's, we're in our flesh and we succumb to these feelings. Sometimes we hear the enemy louder. Mm -hmm. We hear the enemy louder because it, it goes, it coincides with a lot of the pains and the hurts that we have historically yes. from childhood onward. Um, and so it's important to remember that our God is a God of positivity, clarity, mm -hmm. peace, joy, hope, the enemy is of chaos, confusion, you know, anger, resentment. Mm -hmm. All of those things are of the enemy, but our God is not of those things. Yeah. So one of the things that I've encouraged myself and girls in our Bible study, as you know, is that when you start hearing that negative self-talk, um, those really condemning feelings of the fear, anxiety, panic, all of those, yeah. is to make to make yourself aware immediately, uh-oh, I'm being attacked right now. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, Especially in the beginning of your walk with God, you don't necessarily identify that as the enemy. Yeah. But you can identify it as negative. Mm -hmm. You can identify it as fearful. Mm -hmm. You might not label it as spiritual warfare, and that takes spiritual maturity. I get that. But even on your first day as a believer, you can acknowledge what feels negative and what feels positive. Mm -hmm. What feels encouraging, what makes you feel hopeless. Yep. You can make that distinction. So I encourage everyone listening, when you when you begin to feel those feelings of fear, anxiety, panic, worry, all of those feelings, to very quickly identify, okay, wait. I'm being attacked right mm -hmm. now. My God is not a God of these feelings. My God is of clarity, of peace, of joy. Yes. And so when you redirect, and again, it's like working out. Like you said, mm -hmm. it requires intention. It requires repetition. It requires self-awareness. It requires the ability to notice it, acknowledge it, and then redirect to self-talk that is positive. Um, and so it's just like working out. So yeah. I love, I'm going to go back to that analogy. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. And the enemy knows our pain buttons. He Amen. knows exactly how to tip us over the edge. Mm -hmm. So I think that's also why it's just so important that we do need to stay in God's word to be reminded of what he's telling us, mm -hmm. you know, of, you know, that hope and the joy and all those good feelings, especially when we're in that time of chaos and we Amen. feel fearful or worried or anxious. Like it's even more important for us to reach for his word Amen. because then we can meditate on that and we don't have to succumb to those negative feelings the enemy's putting on us. Amen. And like you just talked about, like, okay, recognizing that and being able to redirect. So here's the thing. The enemy has been studying us since we were born. Mm -hmm. The enemy knows just as well and as clearly as we do, probably even better, because some of us are in denial about our hurts. Some, mm -hmm. are, some of us are in denial about our weaknesses, yeah. because it's it's hard to accept your weak mm -hmm. weaknesses and acknowledge uh, the pain buttons and the triggers that you do have. Sometimes we refuse. Sometimes we're unaware. Yeah. But it's hard for us sometimes to pinpoint like what triggers us, what really impacts us and it hurts us. And so the enemy's been studying us since we were children and knows all too well what that pain button is, what that trauma trigger is. Mm -hmm. And so he is constantly at work around us. And so because he's so constantly in consistency at work to derail us, we need to be constant and consistent abiding in Christ. Yes. And so as much as he's making an effort to derail us, we may, we need to make more than an equal effort. We need to overpower him mm -hmm. with our intention and our work toward abiding in Christ and understanding him. 
And so we need to win this spiritual battle and we need to protect our souls and protect our lives and our well-being and our mental health and our self-talk. We need to be active and engaged in this warfare so that we can protect ourselves so that we can be positive and fruitful in our lives. And that's what we all want. Yes. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. So I've got to put on the armor of God. <laughs> Amen. That was the next topic. So in Ephesians 6, uh, 10, and it talks about uh, the um, supernatural tools. So if we're dealing mm. with supernatural warfare, meaning we're dealing with the enemy, then we need to have supernatural tools to combat um, the devil. And so the armor of God is, is discussed in Ephesians 6. And it's, it's Ephesians is my favorite book personally. Love yeah, yes. I love it too. The armor of God is amazing. And so it talks about truth. The armor of God, and we have a whole um, a whole podcast on this, so I won't spend too much time on this. And mm -hmm. you can always resort back to that or look, go to the Word of God, Ephesians 6. And it talks about um, the armor of God being truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, the Word of God. And so the Word of God literally is Scripture and what He says to us. Um, and actually, it's the only offensive mm -hmm. tool. So the rest is like, you know, you're shielding yourself. You're trying to remain peaceful. But the Word of God is something that you can actually use and you can invoke to go against the enemy and to go against the attacks of spiritual yes. warfare. And it's important to remember that. And of course, prayer. Mm -hmm. Prayer is huge. And uh, a prayer, a lot of people, we you know, we feel a lot of pressure about it. Well, I don't know how to say it. And I don't know the right Christian words. And prayer is just a conversation with God that allows him to know that you're pursuing relationship with him, that you're relying on him, that you've placed him in the proper position in your life so that when you need something, when you're giving him praise, that you go directly to him. Yes. Uh, he's not a genie in a bottle that answers and grants wishes. Nope. He is our almighty God who we need to have reverence for him and respect for him. And that can include prayer and requests, but also it should include praise. So it's important that we go, uh, that we go out of our way to take and make time for prayer. Um, the other thing is fear chokes out trust. So for me personally, I'm going to speak for myself. Um, fear has a way of paralyzing me. Mm -hmm. So when I feel fearful about something, my default setting is then to go to all the what ifs. What if I do this and the other person does that? What mm -hmm. if I do this and this happens at my job? What if I do this and nothing happens? So it's like all the what ifs of life. And most of fear and worry is centered around things that never happen. Yes, <laughs> right? exactly. I'm all kind of worried about something that will never come to be. Yeah. Um, and so what ends up happening is, and I've discussed this in other um, podcasts, is that I get decision paralysis. Mm. I get so overwhelmed and fearful of making the wrong decision or a consequence of my decision that I do nothing. Um, and in doing nothing, oftentimes I'm exercising disobedience against God because when I feel God urging me to do something and I do nothing, I'm being disobedient. Yeah. Just like a child is disobedient to a child. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, excuse me, a child is disobedient to a parent when the parent makes a request and I'm doing that to my heavenly father all the time. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to seek the spiritual maturity and the guidance to just act, just take that right step. And God will lovingly redirect me just like a parent. Yeah. And so it's important to have trust and faith in God when there's craziness resulting all around you. Um, there's a famous story in the Bible, of course, when uh, Jesus comes and he calls Peter out into the water and he's walking on water. Everybody mm -hmm. knows the story of Jesus walking on water and he calls Peter out of the boat. And he says, if it's, if it's you, Lord, let me come to you. So he starts to go to him. And when he's focused on Jesus, like us, when we focus on Jesus, we can do all things and we have mm -hmm. peace and confidence. And when he started realizing, oh, there's a storm, oh my gosh, and Peter started looking around, he started to sink. Why? Yep. Not because he was on the water, he was always on the water. Yeah. But he took his eyes off Jesus. And when we do that, when we take our eyes off Jesus and we allow the storm raging around us to distract us from focusing on Jesus, that's when we sink. 
That's when we mm-hmm. fail. That's when we fall apart. That's when we succumb to the situation. He was always walking on water. Mm-hmm. The only difference was he took his eyes off Jesus. And so we need to be careful to not do that. Yeah. Um, so speaking of Peter, <laughs> the next verse that we wanted to discuss <laughs> was First Peter 5, 6, and 7. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Amen. Amen. So trusting in God and having faith in God does require humility because it's acknowledging that you are not in control. Mm -hmm. And so we need to be aware and to be humble of this fact. Um, And then when you're humble that you're not in control, then you're allowed to surrender Mm -hmm. the control that you were clinging to. Uh, And then when you give all your cares to God, you know, you need to trust that he cares about you. And the other one, the next one is Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, mm. who have been called according to his purpose. Love that one. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always feel like it. Yeah, definitely not. And I think that's why also it's just so important for you to have that relationship, to know yeah. God. And actually, because when you're in that chaos and everything's going on, it's so easy to focus on that instead of what mm-hmm. God is telling you to do mm-hmm. or you know, having that relationship. But if you don't have that relationship, then you're not going to rely on him. Mm-hmm. It's in knowing him and being able to trust him and building that relationship that mm-hmm. you're like, okay, yeah, I can trust God. Like, yes, I do give him the control. He knows what's best for me. But you can only do that with a relationship with him. If you don't truly know him or know his words, it's really hard to do that. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to take a step back. Amen. And, you know, as you were saying that, it really, like, drove something home to me. I always like to put things in real world application, meaning like I want to know the Bible. I want it for the informational and educational purposes. But if I don't have the application to my life, then I'll never have the transformation that I'm looking for in terms of sanctification to become yeah. more like God. Right. Mm-hmm. So as you were saying that, I was thinking about you like you, you have to know and be able to trust him. Just think about the people in your life, human beings in your life that you trust. Why do you trust them? Mm-hmm. You trust them because you know them. Yeah. You trust them because you have a relationship with them. Mm -hmm. You trust them because you know what they said is what they'll do. They said they'd be there for you. And when you needed them, they were. Exactly. And so this is a relationship. And Mm -hmm. the thing is, when somebody is there for you and, and you receive the blessing of them coming, you know, coming in when you need them most, you have to be able to receive that and acknowledge, oh, you were there for me. And so mm. you cannot trust, just like in an earthly relationship, you can't trust someone you don't know. You can't trust someone who hasn't been there for you. And God is always there for us, but we don't often see it because it sometimes looks different than what we asked for. Exactly. So God's provision doesn't always match up with our request, but he is always good and he's always there for us. Mm-hmm. And so I recently, I've been doing a study by Priscilla Schreier, whom we love, we love, we've done multiple um, Bible studies with her. And she's just an incredibly anointed gift from God. And we're so mm-hmm. thankful for her. Um, but I'm right now doing her Elijah study. And so in studying Elijah's life, the great prophet Elijah, as he's known, um, it, it's an intense study on his life um, that really centers around his trusting God. Uh, and there were seasons where, you know, he was, he prayed to God. God told him, gave him a prophetic warning that uh, there wouldn't be rain in Israel for three years um, and instructed him to go tell the king. Well, Israel, his chosen people had turned their back on God. Um, and so this drought was as a result of their rebe- rebellion. And I want to be very clear. The drought wasn't a result of their rebellion in terms of punishment. God wasn't punishing them. He needed to get their attention. There's mm. a difference. 
sometimes when we feel like mm. we're being punished for something or feel like we're not having a prayer answered and we feel like it's cruel mm -hmm. or punishment, it's not. Mm -hmm. If we have a self-inflicted punishment or a consequence for our rebellion or our rejection of God, God isn't punishing us. God is giving us uh, an advance warning, if you will, or an opportunity to redirect back to him. It's yes. a warning. He wants us to turn back to him. Mm -hmm. It feels like punishment because it's a consequence, mm -hmm. but it's not punishment. He's actually asking for us to turn our hearts back to him. So in the story of Elijah, this is what happens. And he tells the prophet Elijah to go to tell King Ahab that it's not going to rain for three years. He goes and does that. So Elijah is, he's obedient and he's devoted to God and he's a follower of God. And he goes and does as he's told. And then God says, okay, now that you told Ahab, I'm going to stop the rain. Now you go away. I'm going to put you in an isolated place by yourself. Um, scholars believe that he was there for about a year, year and a half during this drought um, next to a tiny brook that barely gave him enough water and sent ravens to feed him. He had meager food. Hmm. Um, he had just a little food in the morning and a little food at night. And he relied solely on God for a year to a year and a half on the meager provisions that God was giving him. And it doesn't say this in the Bible specifically, but I can imagine after coming out of a pandemic, what did we talk about? Social distancing, mm -hmm. isolation, quarantine. We as as a world right now know more than ever what that feels like. And yep. there were so many people suffering because of this with mental illness and isolation and needing human contact and human relationships. And people suffered greatly. So I would imagine that Elijah, who has been this prophet used by God to go make this proclamation, this obedient servant of God, goes to Ahab and gives this declaration. And then God separates him mm -hmm. from everyone and everything. And he probably, was this punishment? What is this? Yeah. Why am I isolated? I'm not living in the land of milk and honey with leeks and onions and fish. I'm in a cave, you know, by myself in this ravine with little to nothing. Um, and so I would imagine he would have felt isolated yeah. and separated, maybe even punished. You know, as human beings, we feel that way when we're separated from our desires mm -hmm. and from our comfort. Um, and then when God told him, okay, go, and ended up sending him back um, to his people, um, to Mount Carmel, he was notified and told that during this time, during this year to a year and a half, King Ahab was so distraught and the people had become so distraught, rightfully so, over the drought. Rather than look inward and think, okay, maybe this is a consequence of our rebellion. No, they blamed Elijah. Mm -hmm. he, he clearly, he gave the warning, so he must be responsible. And so during this time when Elijah had been isolated and separated, they were actually, they had sent people out to look for him and kill him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... What was seen as isolation and separation was actually protection. God was protecting him from people who were literally seeking to murder him. Mm -hmm. And so it's important for us to see like that. What I was talking about, our field of view is so painfully narrow. Exactly. Yeah. Elijah could not have known that. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally, he was not aware. He didn't have the information. And so while he was all alone wondering, why is God doing this to me? He was unaware that he was actually being protected. Exactly. And how often is, does that happen in our real life? A lot, especially like mm -hmm. when you look at things in hindsight, like mm -hmm. behind you, things that happen, like you're always like, why is this happening to me? And like mm -hmm. some, when we suffer, you know, we're always so focused on that, mm -hmm. that it takes a while after for us to understand like, oh, you know, God was actually protecting me or building my character or something good comes out of suffering. Amen. Amen. That's going to lead me into my next Bible verse. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is Romans 5, 3, and 4. 
But we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. Amen, sister. I love that one. <sighs> I, You know what? I've lived this so many times over. Um, but here's the thing. So it says suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. So suffering is never pleasant. It's literally called suffering. It's, it's, it's something that we have to endure that is painful, mm -hmm. um, that is not convenient, that is not what we want. Oftentimes it feels undeserved and unfair. Um, and so it's important for us to remember that during those times, that is when our perseverance is built up. Mm -hmm. That is when we're building up character and patience and strength and resilience and we're being fortified in our suffering we don't do i mean literally we do not earn those character traits in the easy times mm -hmm. we don't need to no there's no need you just enjoy the easy times and so it's really important to remember that regardless of our circumstances whether we label them good or bad god is always good he's always working for our good mm -hmm. But for me, and I, you know, as I've grown in my spiritual walk and even just in my, in my um, secular maturity, meaning just my chronological maturity, is that my idea of good and God's idea of good rarely connect. <laughs> right? Amen. <laughs> I mean, it does from time to time, but that is only when my maturity meets my spiritual walk. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so it's really important to remember, like, when God considers it good, for us to build character, mm -hmm. for us to recognize in reverence and respect our dependency and our reliance on him. That's good yes. in, in heavenly terms. Our good is so often connected to what feels good, mm -hmm. a good desirable thing or a desirable outcome. And so oftentimes what we consider to be good is really what is favorable. Of course, we would never think suffering is good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's in our flesh. Yeah. I mean, as I get older, I do try to look for the value in suffering or mm -hmm. the value in a challenge or an adversarial season of my life. Um, but even when my logical brain can acknowledge, okay, I'm building character in this. There's a, there's a moral to this story. I still don't enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like we were talking about, we enjoy the result, like, go, you know, not having to go to the gym, but gaining muscle. We want all, we want that. We want the spiritual muscle without the suffering. Exactly. Right? We want to live um, our, God's purpose without the process to get there. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's really important to, to pause when you feel like you're suffering and to see, well, what is the process and what is the purpose and how we can um, survive the process and the character building joyfully. Mm -hmm. And it can be done. I've exercised it quite a bit in my life. I'm not obviously perfect and I still succumb to all of those things fear anxiety worry I'm not I'm not separated from those things but the older I get and the more I suffer the more I'm able to uh, be joyful mm -hmm. and see God's hand in the suffering mm -hmm. and it's, it's so joyful when you mm -hmm. can um, and so it's important to remember that we need to pray to God um, as we pray to him and we ask him and we can ask boldly I'm a bold prayer <laughs> I love to pray boldly I, I know that my God can, and he says in the Bible that he wants to give us abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. Mm -hmm. Think about that. Yeah. He wants to give us more than we could even imagine. So I don't think that I, with my limited um, knowledge and my limited view, that I could ask for too much. No. I ask boldly of God, but I have learned that in that bold asking that I must ask that I be okay and that I be aligned 
with what God wants for me. Mm-hmm. And even in, um, in, even in the Lord's prayer, and it talks about Jesus taught us how to pray in the Lord's prayer. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. That's the important part right there. <laughs> Very important part. You can ask for anything as boldly. He yeah. wants to give you more than you could ask for or imagine. Mm-hmm. But you must understand that thy will will be done. Mm-hmm. His What he needs for us, what he wants for us, what his plan is, what a purpose in our life, what we are predestined, what we have been ordained to do in the kingdom of God, that will be done. Yeah. So I have learned now to ask for whatever I want, but to first seek how my God wants me to live, how my God wants to answer my prayer so that his, his will will be done in my life. Yes. And there's such a joy and a peace that come with that. Because when you have that posture, that heart posture, even when prayers are answered differently than you asked, you can find joy that fact that God's will is being done and ask to be in alignment with that. It's so important. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you said that. It's definitely a heart posture because mm-hmm. we are supposed to ask boldly. I mean, we, we can do all things with God, you know, nothing's impossible for God. So why wouldn't we be bold about it? But then there's that second part. It's like, but it's his will that needs to be done. We should want his will for our lives above anything so that even if he doesn't answer that prayer, mm-hmm. even if he doesn't give us what we want, he is still good and he's mm-hmm. still working things out for our good and it's okay. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things when um, my fiance and I started dating, that was the first thing we said. We we're like, we like each other, but ultimately we want what God wants for both of us, whether that's us together or apart, like either way, it's going to be okay. And we just want what God wants. So like, let's focus on God. And luckily he wanted us together. (laughs) (laughs) But but, hold on. It's not luck because you put God first. Yeah. Right. Because you position God and his rightful authority in your life, he's Mm -hmm. blessing that and God blesses obedience. And he loves it when his children place him in a position of authority. Yes. He wants to bless you. You Mm -hmm. are independently seeking God. Mm-hmm. And then as, as a couple, you are seeking God together and he will bless that. And that's an important reminder for people that when you are like-minded and when you join forces to pursue God and to place him in his rightful position of authority and priority in your life, he will bless that because you guys weren't seeking your own selfish desires. Mm-hmm. You wanted to glorify him and he's doing that through you. Yes. Sorry. No, seriously. I uh, thank you, Lord. That's all I have to say. It's true. He blessed you with that. He yeah, that. he did. Yes, exactly. We both did and we knew what we wanted and we want what God wanted for our lives and we did things God's way and he did. He blessed us mm-hmm. and I I love my fiance, so super blessed with him, definitely. Yeah. But it's so true. It's when you put God first, mm-hmm. he he always comes through. He all, even if it's not the way you wanted it, he takes a backspin, do some backflips, does it a different way, mm-hmm. but it always comes out for your good. Amen. You know, sometimes it's protection. Like, oh, I think this guy is, you know, really nice or he's, you know, has a great job, this and that, but God's not wanting you to be with him because he has something better for you. Amen. And it's important to not lose sight of that. Amen. Well, this is the thing. So we think that if God doesn't answer our prayers, even when we pray for good things, because good things are good things, but they're not always God things. Yes. So it's important to remember that what God wants for you and what you want for you are different. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is that we have to be able to be grateful in the unanswered prayers. Mm -hmm. Not just grateful, but thankful. Like, thank you, God, that you didn't answer that prayer. But again, like you mentioned earlier, that comes with hindsight. Mm -hmm. 
And it takes time to have the perspective of hindsight. It might not be 10 minutes from now. It might not be 10 months from now. It might be 10 years from now Mm -hmm. that we finally have the wisdom and the experience to understand what the hindsight in the situation is. Mm -hmm. And that takes spiritual maturity, chronological maturity, and, but it's coming. Yes. You know what I mean? If there's something sincerely that you think that truly in your heart is good and God doesn't answer that prayer, he does something else, mm-hmm. then you can trust that it's good and mm-hmm. you can trust that eventually it will make sense. Absolutely. And just have faith. It might not be immediately, but it will come. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really important. And here's the thing. The natural reaction is to get like a lot of people get resentful with God or irritated with God. Why did you do that? Why didn't mm-hmm. you answer this? You know, sometimes we think of things that will benefit us um, and we think we know what will benefit us, but God sees, God sees eternity. Exactly. He sees where we're going to be in 20 years. So what we're asking for now won't benefit us. And sometimes we, we go against the will of God and we make decisions that we know, you know, we might even either we're walking with God and we feel God pushing us in another direction and we're just defiant. We do mm-hmm. it our way. Yeah. Um, and there's times when we're so far from God that we don't even tap into him or, or listen for his, his advice or his direction. And we do it our way. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's so loving and merciful that he, he eventually he will lovingly redirect us. And mm-hmm. sometimes that will seem painful. Mm-hmm. Um, like my situation is, um, and I've discussed this in other um, podcasts, is uh, my son's father and I are divorced. Um, that relationship has been over for over 10 years. And um, he had an affair and he ran off with another woman and our um, entire marriage fell off the rails for lack of a better word. Um, it was all kinds of traumatic and difficult and ugly in every way. And so for me as a young mom with a then three and a half year old child, I was living in a foreign country, uh, everything I knew and loved and held dear to me in terms of what was wrapped up in this marriage was unraveling. And I, I cried and I prayed to God to please just bring my husband home and restore the family and reconcile us and don't break up the family with Ryder and keep it all together. And so arguably, that's a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you would anticipate that restoring a family and avoiding a divorce and not co-parenting and not having all this trauma and chaos would be beneficial to all parties. You mm-hmm. would assume that. Um, so I was praying for good things. And it almost seemed like the harder I prayed, the more distance occurred in the marriage. Uh, that was really, really troubling uh, I did cry out and say, you know, God, why have you forsaken mm. me? Why aren't you answering this? Why aren't you doing this? I mean, in my mind, I'm like, how how could this make sense? How mm. is this good? Um, and so I went through a serious season of doubt and pain and just trauma. And why isn't this working out for my good? Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't as deep in my faith as I am now. I wasn't as knowledgeable in terms of scripturally. I definitely wasn't as faithful or trusting. I was a, I was a Bible baby, yeah. if you will, at that time. And um, it really took this situation and this trauma and pain for me to relinquish control and recognize that I don't have a say in this, mm-hmm. that I need to worry about me and my son. I need to be righteous to the best of my ability, keep peace with everyone to the best of my ability, live the most biblically sound life that I can. But what my husband was doing at that time, ex-husband, um, was up to him. Mm-hmm. And that was his journey with God. And I couldn't control that. And God is at work in places I don't see. And I just had to trust it. Absolutely. And so now it's over 10 years later. And now my hindsight, my ability to see what God was doing is, is so much more profound. Uh, and it's so much advanced in time that now I can see what God was protecting me from. And uh, God was saving me from 
even more immeasurable heartache and pain yes. and frustration. Um, my ex-husband, unfortunately, is in a whole nother place in his life. And we are just so far apart, just in every way. We are just not compatible. We are just not on the same yeah. plane of life. And as a result, now I see what God was doing. So this, my ex-husband's rejection was God's protection. And it came in such a painful way because it had to be that complete severing. Mm -hmm. And it had to be that way in order to get it right. Um, but at the time, it, did, it sure didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. It sure didn't feel good. And I'll be humble and admit that a lot of that was, yeah, I was fearful for the destruction of my family and my lifestyle as I knew it was ending and all those kinds of things. But there was a lot of ego in that. Anytime somebody gets cheated on, your oh, ego yeah. is bruised, you know, mm -hmm. like, well, what does she have that I didn't have? Is she better than, I mean, there were so many levels of immaturity there. I can't even get into it, but, but it hurt. Yeah. It, it hurt my ego. It bruised my ego and my self-worth and all of those things. And so I was clinging to all of that. Mm -hmm. The image of the family, the image of the marriage, my self-esteem, my ego. I was so humiliated to go tell people, yeah, my husband left me for another woman. Mm -hmm. That's never a good conversation to have ever. Yeah. It's very humbling. And so I had to realize, though, that in my grief and in my pain, there was a lot of that. Um, there was a lot of selfishness in, like, I didn't want a co-parent. Mm -hmm. That's my baby. Yeah. You chose to leave. This is my baby. Yeah. You know? So it took a lot of spiritual and emotional maturity for me to come to terms with this new normal. And it took a long time. I can honestly say after 10 years, I don't have any animosity to him. I wish him the best. I pray for him. Uh, I would, I want Ryder and he to love each other and I would never discourage a relationship between those two and all of those wonderful maturity things I can give myself a gold star for. It's all great. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it took a long time. And now that I see where God was at work in places where he felt so far from mm. me, it felt, I felt so abandoned by my husband. And then because God wasn't bringing him home, I felt abandoned by God. Yeah. And I think that's a legitimate feeling. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm further along my walk, if it happened tomorrow, I wouldn't feel those feelings anymore. Yes. I would be firm in my God, firm in his purpose, firm in him working for me and his goodness, firm in my own sense of worth and my own value. And my ego wouldn't take the same hit. Mm -hmm. My, my self-worth wouldn't take the same hit. I wouldn't fear and panic and worry the way I did 10 years ago. If it all happened again tomorrow. Absolutely. And I can honestly say that, mm -hmm. but it took 10 years of trusting in the Lord and seeing in the hindsight where he was at work, where I felt he had abandoned me. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm so grateful for it because right. What I lost in that relationship, I gained a thousand times over with my God. Mm -hmm. And I would never forfeit that to have that family back. Yeah. I'm in the family of God. Now I'm his beloved daughter. There's nothing that that man took for me that my God didn't replace a thousand times over. And so I wish, you know, I wish a lot of people wouldn't have to endure that pain. But for me, it took that pain for me to really lean into God and trust what he was doing. Yeah. And I welcome it. Yeah. I'm joyful. I'm so joyful over what God has given me through that pain. And so, again, the suffering brought perseverance and character and hope. I feel like there's nothing I can't tackle now yes. after going through something like that in the name of Jesus. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that because it's so true. Yeah. Um, it's hard to see it in the middle of it, mm -hmm. but now, like like you said, going through that, you know you can trust our God, mm -hmm. and you know He's always in control. And it sometimes it just takes those circumstances to happen, mm -hmm. and then to see where God is actually taking you oh, to yeah. like to have that trust and that you know hope. But 
just to know that God is always working things out for our good. Mm-hmm. It's just important to always remember that and to mm-hmm. always know he's in control because that'll, that helps you during those times mm-hmm. of, you know, worry or stress or fear. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the, the other part of all of that is that, um, and that's an important thing, you know, we, we, place a lot of importance on certain relationships. Yeah. Okay. According mm-hmm. to title, if you will. Yeah. So there's people who are really important to our lives. God, mm-hmm. of course, should be the priority. That's really the moral of this story is that God should have a place of, and a position of authority and your heart should be postured to recognize that mm-hmm. and to worship that. Um, but the reality is there are a lot of important people in our lives, whether it be a parent, a boss, a spouse, your child, whomever in your opinion is important to you. Uh, another tactic that the enemy uses is that he will use important people whose opinion that you value. And we've talked about this in a previous podcast. Um, the enemy will use them to break you down. Mm-hmm. So people who uh, who are important to you can be very, very abusive and hurtful and and beat you down emotionally and say really nasty, critical things. And unfortunately, there's a lot of us who've experienced that. Could be from a cheating spouse. It could be from an abusive spouse. It could be from an abusive parent or a neglectful parent, whatever the case may be. Um, There's unfortunately, a lot of us have wounds from people we really love. Mm -hmm. People we've entrusted ourselves to whose opinion really matters and is important to us. Uh, and so I want to just kind of caution people because, of course, I endured that in my divorce. Divorces are very rarely amicable and very mm-hmm. rarely pleasant. Um, but just because someone's important to you and their relationship and their, uh, you know, their position in your life is important doesn't mean that their opinion of you has to be more important than yours. And certainly it's never more important than what God says about you. Um, so if someone that you love and someone whose opinion you value is being nasty and hypercritical and hurtful toward you, you don't have to position their opinion as important above what God says about you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And the other thing is that um, consult the Bible and what God says about you. Consult a good, you know, counsel, good friendships, good maybe even a therapist, something like that. If you feel as though you're being hurt or being um, offended and insulted and critiqued in a hurtful or abusive way, not a constructive criticism, but in a truly um, hurtful and sinister way, then you don't have to believe that just because that person's uh, important in your life or has a position of authority in your life. Uh, and then it's really important, to, again, to pursue God and realize that God is in control over all mm-hmm. and that if someone is being used by the enemy, if someone who is important to you is being nasty to you on that level, that you can combat that with spiritual warfare, with this, the armor of God, with spiritual and heavenly tools. And God is powerful. God is in charge. And, the, and this is something that I've had to learn over the years is that the enemy, Satan, he is powerless unless we give in to what he's doing. Mm. So these schemes of nastiness, if somebody tells you something bad about yourself or somebody tells you something hurtful and nasty for the purpose of hurting you, you don't have to participate in that. You don't have to participate in the attacks of the enemy by echoing that or allowing the opinion of others to shape your opinion of yourself. The enemy is powerless if you don't go along with him. He can whisper anything to you. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. The enemy can say anything to you. If you refuse to believe it, if you reject it outright as, as warfare from the enemy, you don't have to believe it. You don't have to participate in it. You can rise above that in the pursuit of God and of holiness and righteousness. And that's something that's really important because sometimes we feel like, oh, well, if my mom is talking to me like this, mm-hmm. or my sister or my husband is talking to me like this, then it must be true. Or, you know, and then you get beaten down. And that's, this is, these are all schemes of the enemy. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, that's so true. And it's so important because the people mm-hmm. closest to us are the ones that can hurt us a lot. And that's mm-hmm. why the enemy uses them. Yeah. So it's important to always know what God says about us mm-hmm. and to take our value in what God says, not what in pe- what people say. Yes, exactly. And so don't ever, you know, if someone has proven to you that they don't value you, mm-hmm. okay? And and to value you is a lot of things. To value you shows that they give you an act of service, that mm-hmm. they love you, that they encourage you. Even, here's the thing, there's that's the difference between criticism and, and constructive criticisms. I've had plenty of constructive criticism in my life. It's for the purpose of improving me. Mm-hmm. It's for the purpose of improving me and encouraging me to be a better person, to yep. do better criticism that is hurtful or abusive is for the purpose of beating you down. There's a huge difference and it does take emotional maturity and spiritual maturity to distinguish the difference between the two. Um, and it's really important to recognize that if someone has showed you they don't value you, they don't value your feelings, they don't love you enough to be positive and encouraging to assist you in becoming a better you, don't give them the opportunity to evaluate you if they've proven they don't value you. Yeah. But so often we do that. Mm-hmm. I'm, vi- I'm a victim of that. I've done that. Yeah. Plenty. You know, someone who's proven to me that they don't care for me on that level, on that deep emotional level. And then they say something nasty about me and I, I it hurts me. Mm-hmm. Why? They yeah. showed me they didn't value me. So why does their opinion matter? Mm-hmm. But we, because we are people pleasers, because we want everyone to like us, because we want to be good and we want to be recognized for being good, that when someone tells us we're not, it's hurtful. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's sad. It is sad. <laughs> but it is spiritual warfare. And there are tactics, you know, to, to make sure that when if you're looking at yourself and you're evaluating yourself, see yourself as the Lord sees you, not as others see you, not as others comment about you, not even as you see yourself. Look at how the Lord sees you and try and see yourself from that perspective because you are beautifully and wonderfully made and you're perfect in his eyes. And if you start from that position and you put him in a place of authority and priority in your life, you will reap the benefits of joy. Amen to that. So we wanted to read um, some more scriptures to you guys. So like we said, you know, the enemy tries to implant in us fear, anxiety, suffering. But we really wanted to combat that um, with God's word and the things that he says Amen. in those times. So for fear, I want to read Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Amen to that. Amen. (laughs) Um, There's Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 31, 8. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Mm-hmm. I love those. So in pain or in suffering, I want to read 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that was a powerful one. Oh, I totally love that. <laughs> um, when you're insulted... Um, I want to read Proverbs twelve sixteen. A fool's anger is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. And it's hard for us to ignore insults, but we talk about this all the time yeah. in Bible study. You know, it's it's easy to be offended. Mm-hmm. 
and it's easy to say something offensive and mm-hmm. to be nasty and our gut reaction is to respond. Yes. Either defend ourselves mm-hmm. or to rebut the, the insult or to insult back, you know, fight mm-hmm. or flight kind of a mentality. But to, to say nothing and how I can promise you guys how liberating and how joyful it is to finally recognize that not everything needs a response. Mm. Not everything warrants a response. Yep. Like if someone is being wrong, let them be wrong all by themselves. There's so much joy in it. I cannot tell you. I've exercised this on so many levels. Is that when somebody is being nasty or insulting, just let it be. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Their opinion of you doesn't matter. Amen, sister. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. And when, when we're feeling jealous, First Timothy 6, 6 through 10. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. Mm. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils." It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Ooh. When we're feeling lonely, Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. When we're resentful, 2 Timothy 2, 22 through 24. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart, having nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels, and the Lord's servants must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach and patiently enduring evil. Um, when we need peace, John fourteen twenty seven. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I love that it says that, not as the world gives, because exactly. we see things differently than Amen. God does. Mm-hmm. Um, in times of anxiety, Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. That is the perfect. That's the perfect way because I pray for a lot of things. But sometimes it's reactionary, meaning something will happen and then I'll pray for a result as a result of what happened. Yes. But I want that peace already Mm. that surpasses all understanding. I want to be ready for it. I want to be able to absorb uh, insults, injury, pain, whatever those icky feelings are without first panicking. Mm. So the objective is that my natural resource, my reflex, excuse me, will be to use my resources of the Bible and God's word and first reflex now to be to seek God rather than panic, worry, anxiety. Mm. Um, So that's that spiritual workout. You know, the muscles that I want to have, I want to be able to build those up and with the exercise of repetition and faith and trust so that rather than have that spiral and succumb mm-hmm. to all those feelings and then kind of have to claw my way back out of that, that my first reflex and my first response now be to seek the Lord yes. and his peace and be at peace 
with whatever's happening, mm. knowing that God is at work for my good. That's the goal. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's why I think we really want to discuss this with you guys is to really look to God's word. No matter what's going on mm -hmm. in our lives, we can always look to him and his word for, you know, hope and peace mm -hmm. in times of trouble. Yeah. To seek him first. Uh, a, lo a lot of us, if we have a chaotic moment or something goes wrong and we'll call a friend right away or, you know, we all have that one friend. Or maybe it's your yeah. spouse or a parent or whatever. And you call when something's going wrong. Uh, the conditioning would be to seek God first. Mm -hmm. See what God says first. Seek God's comfort mm -hmm. and counsel first. And then go from there to other people. Because if we're in so much chaos and the noise in our head is so vast that we're not tapped into God and we're not hearing God, he will use other people then mm. to try and echo us, echo his thoughts, you know, to, to reassure us. So make sure that if you can't hear God in the moment that you seek the counsel of a godly friend. Um, somebody that will give you sound spiritual advice and help redirect you to God in those moments of chaos when you can't hear anything else. Uh, amen to that. Amen. We're going to pray. All right. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word. Thank you for writing it down, Lord, that we don't have to guess and we don't have to wonder. and We don't have to just rely on simple prayers of confusion and wondering if you're going to show up or when you're going to show up, Lord, that we can trust Yes. Based on who you are, who you've proven to be, the words that you've given us, the promises and the prophecies that you've given us, that you're a God, a God of your promises, that you are good and loving and kind, and that you will work all things for our good, Lord. And we ask that we just be faithful and trust in the fact that even if it doesn't feel good, that we know that we, you will use it for our good, yes. and that we have the spiritual maturity to know the difference, Lord. And that we seek you first, that we seek to please you and to prioritize you, Lord, that we have a posture of placing you as a priority and that we love you and that we seek your counsel, Lord, and that we seek uh, godly relationships and friendships, Lord. And we just ask that we always turn to what you say and not focus on what we see happening around yes. us, Lord, that we be of peaceful unity as a body of Christians, Lord that we unite together, that we uh, pursue you together, Lord, and that we be disciples that preach you to the world and that in chaos and in conflict and adversity, Lord, that we be living examples to redirect to you, to who you say you are and who you've proven to be for generations and generations. Lord, we love you. We give you play, praise and honor and glory for all that you've done and all that you will do. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. We hope your time with us has brought you closer to God. And makes you feel equipped, empowered, and encouraged to experience Eden on this side of heaven. To connect with us, please find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day!